0: On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords Revelation nineteen sixteen Hello everybody, welcome back to the bold and Virtuous Podcast. I am your host Denisa, and today I actually decided to start with a verse that we are going to look into and study a bit more today. So this week in the United Kingdom is quite a special week, as many of you guys probably already know and should do. This weekend is the coronation of King Charles, so we are going to have a new king. I mean, technically we already have one, but uh, I think. Everybody is very excited to kind of make it official, as they say, so it's going to be quite exciting. And going on the theme of this coronation, going on the theme of the fact that this country is still celebrating something that is centuries and centuries old, and something that we find in the Bible, something that is incredibly sacred, um, I really wanted to kind of look into this theme and talk about it from the biblical point of view, um, and especially talking about God as our King. The wonderful thing about the UK is we're still a Christian country, I mean, they do say that they, you know, uh, we're kind of staying open to all the new religions and so on and so forth. But thankfully, the royal family, the royal events and things like that, they, they are still done in churches. They're still done with the mention of God, with the mention of Jesus and, uh, you know, with the cross and all of these things, which makes people like us absolutely thrilled and shooting for the moon because it makes us really feel like we still live in a world that respects God which is amazing. So actually um, what I kind of looked into the whole process of the coronation and one thing that stood out to me concerning this kind of mention that I was talking about uh, about Christ and God is that when the king is crowned they have to hold the sovereign orb and the sovereign scepter in their hands. So you will see a lot of pictures, for example, with Queen Elizabeth with this big orb in her left hand and the scepter in her right, I believe. Is it, or is it the other way around? I I believe it's left and right. Um, But the beautiful thing that I found about this is while the scepter represents the temporal power of the king or queen, so uh, it's kind of associated with good governance. It's the idea of, you know, the new power. The orb on the other hand is the meaning of Christ's dominion over the world, while the king is merely God's representative on the earth. Ah, how beautiful is that? I just think that, um, I mean, the, the modern world watches these, these uh, events and stuff like that, but I don't think that we all truly know the meaning of each and every step. Um, so if you are watching the coronation tomorrow... Look Look at the specific details. Um, there are certain things hidden all across the event um, that has to do with God, that has to do with Christ, that has to do with the king being sovereign over the, the country, but God being sovereign over all, you know? Uh, just like the orb is representative of that dominion that Christ holds over the world. I think that's so beautiful. It's almost like they hold this this orb that maybe kind of represents the planet and this cross that goes on the very top of the orb shows that Christ is the king of, of it all. So they are admitting to that. They are, um, as the king or as the queen, whoever is being crowned, they are admitting to the fact that they are not king over the world and they're certainly not the king um, you know, over everyone but rather they are merely a representative in this world of who God is. And I just think that that is so beautiful. And in a way, it does represent each and every one of us. I think that we as Christians and as children of God, we should live our lives with this kind of understanding that it's almost like we are holding that orb every single day of our lives. We are going forward, constantly reminding ourselves and reminding the world around us that we are not, we are not made to rule, we are not here to rule over the world, but we are merely representatives of the one who does rule the earth uh, and everyone in it. And it's, it's a real act of respect to the, to the Lord, I think, which is wonderful, wonderful to have. Um, so first of all, w- what do I mean by all of this? So we know that Jesus is known and spoken and declared as King of kings, Lord of lords, as the one and only. One thing that I don't know how many of you guys know, but one thing that his very name, the name Christ means it's it's not just referring to the, the the savior to the prophet that was supposed to come and save the israelites but christ means the anointed one right um how amazing is that so when you think back to anointings uh, again they used to do anointings for kings and you will see on on the on king charles's coronation that um The archbishop is going to anoint him with oil as well, Uh, only it's done under a canopy in private to kind of say that it is between them and God. It is something that is most sacred and most holy. Uh, And I believe that he is being anointed on his forehead with the sign of the cross on his hands and on his chest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But, you know, it will not, that part won't be visible to us because it will be done under a canopy. But in the Bible and in the olden days, um, crowning the, or rather anointing a king or a future king was very normal. I mean, think of Samuel. He the minute that he found David, even though he was so young, even though he still had so much to learn, so many years to come before he would even become king, the Lord told him, Go and anoint him. This is this is the future king. This is who I choose. And he was anointed as we know very, very well. And and the the actual act of anointing uh, a king or anointing someone is actually representative of the idea of consecrating and sanctifying this person as a sovereign in order to separate them as holy from the rest of the world. The relevance that that has with Jesus is, you know, absolutely exponential because he is the ultimate anointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the one who is who wears the robe. He is the one who who has the crown. He is the one who is truly separated. The minute that he becomes king, he is completely and utterly um, separated from the rest of the world. And when he came down on earth, he became one of us. But the way that he left was not as you know as one of us or as a prophet but he left as a king he he ascended to heaven as a newly anointed king over the entire world over all humanity one that is separated and completely sanctified for the father for God our eternal father and eternal creator he is Jesus is consecrated as our king on one side We always relate to the fact and we remember and we are comforted by the fact that Jesus was human and he can relate and understand what we are going through. So that is very comforting. But I think another way to look at it is to remember that Jesus is nothing like us. He is king. How many people can you go to in the world right now and ask them, Hey, do you know what it's like to be king? Do you know what it's like to be queen? you know, there's no one in the UK, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, Because the only queen that we've had in the last 70 years was Queen Elizabeth. And no one knew how it was to be her except her. When she passed away, King Charles becomes a king now. But again, even his very own son, Prince William, will not be able to truly understand what it's like to be king until the king dies. It is Jesus's blood that anoints us and cleanses us to be children and to be chosen and called and to be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. So instead of oil, Jesus is anointed with blood to constantly remind us that none of this is possible without him having done what he did. And the beautiful thing about him is that he can never die. So there is no one like him. There has never been and there will never be. That is truly something to marvel at. Isaiah 40, 21 to 23 says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. This, this passage in Isaiah 40 is just so phenomenal. It reminds us of the supremacy of our God, the absolute and complete power and prestige that surrounds our King. And the fact that we are truly nothing but grasshoppers, we can never be compared to the Lord. We can never, ever be on the same level that He is. A King is above, rules above them all right? The king is at the very, very, very top and anyone and everybody after that comes under him. Well, it is the same with Jesus. Everyone and everything on this earth and beyond it is under the king of kings and is under our eternal, holy God. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because this this topic actually gives me a really great opportunity to talk about a topic that I really love talking about, a topic that is not always the most popular, but a topic that does need to be addressed and a topic that needs to be in our daily walk with the Lord. For all of us as Christians, we need to remember this because in Proverbs one I believe yes in Proverbs 1 verse 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction the whole first chapter of Proverbs is phrased around the meaning of true knowledge and wisdom and where to find it and how to be one who holds it and the very core of that is the fear of the Lord and that is that that's the topic I want to address for a little bit here as we continue to talk about um the the king of kings and lord of lords um so the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom basically it's saying that only fools despise wisdom and the the fools that despise wisdom also despise and do not practice the fear of the lord i don't know about you but i do not want to be a fool you know, the, the, the Bible speaks about fools in such a direct and beautiful way that it is very easy to find yourself. If you want to figure out if you are a wise person or if you are a fool, <laughs> just just have a read through Proverbs. You will, you will see it very quickly because it does not beat around the bush. You know, it literally says, if you do this and that, then you're a fool. If you do this and that, then you're wise. So it's very easy to decipher who we are. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And why is it so important to fear the Lord? Well, in First Peter 5, 6-7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you this is a reminder that we need to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Just like a king, right? If you go and stand before a king, you need to perform various duties. You need to um, or if you even wanting to come and have an audience with the king, you need to go through various, various steps. I mean, I don't even know what you have to do nowadays. It's probably practically impossible. In the old days, you know, they would have to go to the palace, they would have to speak to the guard, then the guard would speak to this person and that person, and then um, the other person, and they would ask, why do you need to see the king? And, you know, and so on. And then they would they would go over the reason, your reasoning behind your need to see the king over and over again. And if they found that it was not worthy, then they just rejected you. And see, coming and, and um, actually having an audience before a king was incredibly difficult. And just as it is today, let's be honest, it's like it's not like you can show up at Buckingham Palace and knock on the door and be like, okay, King Charles, can I have a, can I have a, some tea with you, you know, let's, let's have a chat. Um, so why is it always so difficult? Because we do not, we do not stand in the same, uh, the, because the idea is just like the coronation, just like the anointing separates that person from everyone else and reminds the, the people that this person is now is, is basically set under the authority of God. And everyone in that country is henceforth set under the the authority of the king. So the the king only needs to answer to God and not to the people. Um, He needs to do what God tells him to do in order to protect, to help and to lead the people. Does that mean that every king does that and does it well? No, there have been many, many, many that have made many mistakes. But the Lord keeps on giving them grace and mercy. But the point is that when we look at Jesus, let's take this back to our king. Let's take this back to the fact that we serve a king that is worthy to be trusted, a king that does not make any mistakes. And even though in the old age, kings were respected and incredibly honored, nowadays, you know, having royal families is very rare. There's only very few countries left in the world that have royals. And even if they do... Not everybody deems it as a very honorable thing. They just see it as, you know, money out of pocket and, you know, things that are no longer relevant. Um, however, the beautiful thing about us is that we can still learn a lot through these physical and earthly kings. And what we need to learn is how, is, is rather the basics of how we should treat our king who is deserving of our honor, who is deserving of our bowing and our um, honorary behavior to him. What do I mean by this? Uh, it's because it's a it's a constant reminder that he is superior. Like John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus reminds us that he is above it all. And what's amazing about it is that Jesus is a king that is merciful, that is kind, that is not because he died and rose again and because God used him for that. The Holy Trinity, God, the Son and the Holy Spirit stand as one king um, overall. And Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. And all of this comes into one. And our eternity is spent under the sovereignty of this mighty, mighty king. And what what does that mean? When we look at the Bible and when we even even looking at people that knew Jesus in person, even before Jesus was like officially crowned if you will i mean he was always king because he was he is part of the holy trinity and god was always king of of the world and of everything but but we do say that when jesus died that is when he was called the the king of the jews that is when we truly knew who we were serving we 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 learned so much through the acts the words the life of jesus and we know now that once the law was fulfilled through him we now have to live as he did, and we have to reflect his character in us and serve him continuously. In John 127, John the Baptist says he is talking about Jesus here, and he says, This Jesus whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. So he's the way he talks about Jesus the way that he truly refers to him is in complete and utter reverence. He is referring to something as humbling as going to, to you know, touch a man's shoes. You know, that feet were considered, you know, the, the most and are probably still considered in many ways the, one of the most humbling acts of service, you know, washing somebody's feet or helping them put their shoes on or taking them off and so on. And John the Baptist was talking about this Jesus, about this king, like, I, I can't even touch his feet, which is one of the humblest acts of service, much less do anything else that would would suffice, because he, this is the king of kings we're talking about here. I, I can't even look him in the eye, much less do anything for him. So... It's just so beautiful how much respect you know he was receiving and how much respect these people gave him. The same comes from Peter, from Simon Peter, when Jesus came to him and introduced himself. And Peter just fell on his knees before him and said... Uh, go go from me because i am a sinner i'm not it, it was this this perspective that he had where his eyes were open and he saw i'm not worthy go because i'm i'm a sinner and i'm not even worthy for you to come and look at me much less desire to save me desire for me to be your servant to, for for you to choose me how how is that even possible you know he's just shocked like i have no worth whatsoever in receiving you as as my king so why would you choose me Uh, another person is the centurion in the gospels when um he his servant is sick and he tells jesus about it and jesus and jesus says all right i'll come and and save him and uh, i'll come and heal him and the centurion is like no 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 i am not worthy for you to come into my home just say the word and it will be done one in that moment he really showed uh, Jesus so much faith that he was so impressed by because of his authority but also when he said that i'm not worthy for you to come into my home he remembered again you are jesus you are the king of kings i am not letting you step foot into my house into into my private place the personal space where i have all the things that i'm not you know super proud of the things that i'm not always um, the the things that not everybody knows about. And how many times do we have that? And I'm asking you today, think about it. What are some of the things that you would be afraid to let a king see? Right? If he was, if, if, let's, let's take this back into the physical. So let, let's say King Charles uh, called you and said, I want to come to your home right, I would be like, no, 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 you can't, like, my house, my house is so small, like, we can clean it and all, but it's just not enough, you're, you're used to palaces and all of these things, and how can I let you come into my home, and, you know, but even more so, the first thing that you would do is clean, right, so, like you said, like like you heard just there, my first instinct was, you have to clean, So the idea is, what is it? What is it? What would it be that would keep you from allowing a king to come into your home, to come into your private place, to come into those spaces within you that not many, if if not like no one, to, to come into those places where you don't let anyone or or very, very few people actually come in and witness that. You know, when, um, when I suffered with low self-esteem and I had all these thoughts in my head, I remember the devil would always tell me, you can't share this stuff with anyone. They won't understand. They will judge you. They will, you know, put shame on you, uh, all of this stuff. And of course, it was a big fat lie because the minute that I uh, expressed it to someone, I realized how toxic it was for me to keep it in. And that's what the devil does. He he takes those things that we are ashamed of, that we that we that are very personal to us, that are in our deepest, deepest selves, and he makes us h- hide it even more because he thinks, or he makes us think, that that will keep us safe. And yes, to to show some of those private things to a king would be very disrespectful, incredibly so. Uh, in the old days, if if you came uh, disrobed in front of a king or if you didn't bow and all of these things, like we know from Esther, if, if, if the king does not deem you worthy to come and uh, have an audience with him, he will strike you right there, you will die. And if you think about it, it's understandable because this is someone, like we said, it's someone anointed, right? And it is someone holy if you will or should be holy anyway nowadays i don't know how many kings are holy but that's for god to decide not for us but the point is that with jesus who is our ultimate king and will forever be i have to keep emphasizing that with him the beautiful thing is that he kind of turns it on his head and because he is so merciful he's so kind and because he took all of our sin on him the dirt that we carry, the things that we hide in our homes, in our inner, innermost selves and beings, he is not going to strike you for it. He is not going to end your life or he's not going to see it as dishonor, but he will take those things that you are ashamed of. He will take those things that you are burdened by or afraid of and he will cleanse them of you. I mean, how beautiful is that? The fact that we have a king who doesn't need to do all that and his his role is not to do that at, at all actually, but he does he does because he loves us he does because he's not just our king, but he's our savior so to 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 summarize this point it's it's that we need to give honor and reverence to our king and remember that we need to give him the respect that he deserves. And that means, I've talked about this before because I really, really stand by this. And I think that it will change your relationship with God in so many ways. If you show true fear of the Lord, it will change so many things in how you see him. And the Lord also values those who have that fear of the Lord, who express it and who respect him as king. Um... And just because, and remember, just because we can come before him, just because we can give him the things that are shameful and that are embarrassing and all of this stuff. And because he sees all of that and still loves us, it does not mean that we need to forget honor, you know, we need to honor the king. Those things are extra. Those things are done out of the goodness of his heart. But at the end of the day, he's still a king. That is not denied in any form of way by what he did on the cross. If anything, it's a fulfillment that he has the power and authority to do something like that, just like a king would, because there are certain things that only a king would have the power to do. And to bring this all to a beautiful end, in John 10, 27 to 29, it says, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. This is a reminder again that we are merely sheep led by the shepherd. And sheep are not the smartest animals out there, as we know. They tend to fall in pits that they've fallen in before and then the shepherd brings them out and then they walk and they fall straight back in again. <laughs> those are the kind of, those are the kind of people that we are. Sheep. The Lord doesn't compare us to horses or to lions or to tigers, you know, these, these animals that are strong, capable and, and smart and cunning, but we are sheep. And sheep are the animals that need the most guidance, the most support, and the most uh, protection because they are completely harmless and vulnerable. And that is who we are. And that is why we need to respect our King because Jesus is someone who guides and leads and protects us. He's the one who has us completely covered in the blood, the one whose arms and hands and wings constantly cover us. And we are nothing without him. And it's so sad, the, the amount of times I see so many Christians who take so much credit for themselves, um, even though they would be nothing without Jesus. And uh, there's a lot of times, and I've again, I've talked about this before, but there's a lot of times where Jesus comes and reminds me again, hey, remember that you would not be where you are without me. Remember that you are not who you are because of your own strength, but because of mine. The reason we need to remember that, it's, it's because one, it keeps us humble. <laughs> it reminds us, hey, I'm not the God here. Jesus is, the Lord is. And thank goodness for that, because we would never be able to do what he does. But two, it also reminds us that we are not meant to live this life alone. And we are not meant to be able to, to find any form of victory alone even if it seems like a victory on the earth, it will not be the kind of victory that will take you into eternity. And it will certainly not be the kind of victory that allows you to follow the Lord the way that he needs you to follow him. You know, like a sheep following a shepherd. We need to know his voice as our king and we need to respect it. We need to honor it and remember, hey, this is Jesus speaking to me. It doesn't matter how I feel about this. It doesn't matter uh, if I'm offended. It doesn't matter if my flesh needs to die. It is Jesus who is speaking. And if he's telling me to go here, then I will go. And if he's telling me to stop, then I will stop. But I need to know his voice and I need to listen to it. And the way that we are able to do that, the way that we're, we're able to truly act as the Lord's servants, as our King of Kings, uh, family and and princes and princes princesses of the kingdom of heaven, is by being awake, right? But being awake is something that is very important, and this is a, a this is a topic that the Lord really showed me this week, that is so powerful. But awakening. So the, the, the great awakening, if you will, that happens in Christian life is when they truly realize that they need salvation, when they discover that they are sinners, when they discover that Jesus is the one that has been keeping their life going all of this time. And when they discover that they need and want to give their lives to Jesus, and when they do this, and they are and they repent of their sins, and they turn to God, and they officially give their lives to Him, it's it's like their eyes are open, right? And uh, hopefully, you know, everyone listening to this is someone whose eyes have been open. And if if, it have, if if they haven't for you, and if you're not a Christian yet, then I hope that this podcast helps you find out more and more about Jesus and about the faith. But the reason that that is called awakening is because the Bible says that the world is sleeping and it does not know what is going on. And when we see Jesus, when we receive him, that is when our eyes are opened. So it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and many, many churches all focus on awakening the church or awakening... No, many churches uh, focus on awakening the world, which is wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. However... I'm going to take a little twist on that just before I finish and say that it's not just about becoming awake, right? Because I can say that I've been awake for a while, praise the Lord. But what happens when you are awake? What happens if you have been a Christian for a few years, a few months, even if if it's been your whole lifetime? Does that mean you're done? Well, in Matthew twenty six forty to 41, Jesus comes in the garden of Gethsemane with his disciples where he was praying with them. And he comes back to the disciples to watch, to, to, to see them. Hey, how are you doing in, in your prayer? And this is what he finds out. He says, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's Matthew 26. So he comes and he finds that all the disciples are sleeping. And there's this huge spiritual battle going on that he's just about to be captured, to be, to be crucified. And there is so much going on, but the disciples have fallen asleep. And this shows that even the very best of the best can still fall back to sleep. And in this moment, yes, it was physical, but when um when jesus dies what do the fishermen do they go they go back to the boat and they go fishing again so in a way you could say that that's them just deciding to fall back to sleep again they're like oh forget it none of this was real oh well whatever and they just go back to their old lives and that is the most dangerous thing i want to warn and And really talk about this and make you think today, if there's anything that you can take from today's podcast, it's if you have been awakened a while back, remember that our job is not to just awaken, but to remain awake. And the church uh, that we live in nowadays, the churches that we see, that we attend, we can so easily fall back to sleep because we do not truly and completely remember and live by the Word of God in every single way. And that is why it's so dangerous to forget the word of God, to forget who we served, to forget God and Jesus as our King, to forget that we are his sheep and he is the shepherd and not to listen to the word of God and to read it and not to pray and all of these things. If we do not work to remain awake, we will fall back to sleep. It doesn't matter how many years you've had in uh, salvation and how many years you've been saved, it is very easy to fall back to sleep again and to re- to to think that you're awake and i think that that is actually more dangerous than being asleep in the first place because you have no idea that you're asleep but you awoke once so you think you're still awake and that is the greatest tactic of the enemy because he comes to churches and says hey you're awake you see what people don't see oh that's great woohoo wonderful okay you can relax now Oh you don't you don't need to go to church every Sunday you're awake. Oh you don't have to pray for all those people you're awake. You don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. You don't need to stand up for the truth. You're awake. It doesn't matter. But that is the most the, the most dangerous place that you can be in. So I really really urge you today to come before the Lord and to ask him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want to honor you with all that I am because you are the king. So tell me how. How am I falling asleep if I am? If I'm not, help me to keep staying awake because it is so important. Just like having a king in the room. If, if the king was right there sitting in front of you, I really doubt that you would just be dozing off. You would be alert and standing straight, uh, bowing your head and just ready to listen and hear and to talk to the king. So I encourage you today, truly look at who Jesus is to you as a king and discover your relationship with him in a new way today by really honoring the king of kings with all that he deserves, by honoring the word of God and honoring the Bible and respecting it by respecting the the name of Jesus, you know. All of these things, there are so many ways that we can disrespect and dishonor Jesus and the church and the Lord and the word of God. So I ask that you ask God today to convict you of anything that may be happening. So dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this wonderful time together. Thank you for my my sisters, God, and my brothers too, whoever's listening. And I thank you because you have taught us today about the kingship that belongs to you. And you have reminded us, God, that we are your servants and we are your sheep. And thank you for showing us, Jesus, that when we fear you, when we truly respect you as a king, wisdom and knowledge follows us always, always. And I pray that that is always the case for each one of us. Help us to love you, to honor and serve you. For you are worthy to be worshipped and to be served as the King of kings and Lord of lords now and forevermore amen amen and amen thank you so much guys for listening i really appreciate it i hope this was a good one i had so much fun kind of you know linking king charles's coronation with jesus and um i look forward to seeing it um and if you're listening to this after the coronation then think back to the coronation how how did that make you think of jesus and one last reminder is if you haven't already i would really appreciate a five-star review on apple podcast or spotify or whatever platform you're using for bold and virtuous podcast uh, it really helps to get the truth out there to more and more of our sisters and brothers i would really appreciate that so thank you guys love you let's remain bold and virtuous for our king of kings and lord of lords love you girls bye <music>